And today we're speaking to Jessica. Jessica is 42, has a four-year-old daughter, lives in South London and is a DJ and music producer. Welcome, Jessica. <clears throat> Thank you. Hi. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Good, good. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. I've um, been looking forward to speaking with you for a while now. Um, so just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. So our first question is, what did you think 40 would look like? Think back to your 20s, early 30s, when you were thinking of your ideal aspirations. Uh, and what things did you want from life? I don't know if I specifically knew what I thought 40 was going to look like, but I think I, I think that by 40, I expected to be settled down in most areas of life, which I think most of us do. So I expected to be married, children, settled in my career, probably own a house, etc. Like the normal things, really. Yeah, I think, I think by 40, you expect all that to be done and dusted. But as the time creeps closer, you realise, yeah, um, it's not such a given. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah. What, what kind of things kind of guided you or kind of, kind of programmed how you thought about that journey? Um, I guess just seeing, um, you know, what's going on around you, your family life. And, you know, by 40, my mum and dad had obviously had me. Um, they'd been married um, and divorced. I think if I do a quick calculation, I think my mum had probably remarried by then, um, had numerous properties bought and sold. So for me, that's just how life was. Myself, like many others in our generation, are quite far behind our parents in terms of what we do when. So my mum and dad had me before they were 25. But before 25, I was like nowhere near having a child, you know. So there was probably less chance I was going to achieve what they had by the time they were 40 because I was just like probably 15 years behind them in mm. terms of not everything but certain things. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose family shapes your your thoughts and just TV and society. Like, well, this is what you should be doing by this point. What, what kind of job did you think you'd have when you were 40? Now that one, I honestly can't answer. I don't remember thinking I've, I've been, I've always been a bit of a um, floater career wise. And so I was always, I, I don't think I had one set thing in my mind. So I studied fashion 
So I was obviously studying fashion for a reason. So I guess I thought I was going to go forward in that um, industry. Um, like be a designer or... Uh, yeah, I, well, first I studied fashion design uh, when I left school. So that was like two years in college. I then went on to university and did fashion promotion, which is more like marketing and um, sort of advertising, that side of it. Um, and I just thought, yeah, I want to work in fashion. Um, I did go on to work in fashion. I was a stylist for quite a while and um, I did fashion PR and various other things around fashion. And then just one day in my true style of me, I woke up one day and went, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I, I just suddenly kind of didn't feel connected to fashion anymore. I didn't get it. Fashion was really changing and it was all like, fashion was just all over the place and I didn't understand it and I just didn't feel connected to it at all. So I left it and, um, and then I went into music, um, but not what I'm doing now. I actually started off uh, singing, singing, songwriting, and believe it or not, rapping. <laughs> wow. I don't know why that's funny, but I guess things that you do in your early 20s feel quite funny 20 years later. Like, oh my God. Did like, you have like an MC name? Um, no, I just used my initial J and then my middle name, which is Marsha. I went under the name J Marsha. Yeah. So I did that for quite a while and I was really like, that was it. I was going to be a singer. I was going to do that. And I really pursued it hard. I was doing it like as a full-time thing, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I did that for a while and then (laughs) one day woke up and thought, yeah, I don't think singing's for me actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But if I if I look back on that now, I feel like that was a bit of a lack of self-belief. I think I just decided I wasn't good enough, but not in a way it it it, it sound it could sound as though I kind of like was really sad, like oh, I'm not good enough, I'll never be a singer. I just was really pragmatic. I thought, nah, my voice isn't really up there with the people that are really like making it at the moment so maybe yes. I'll just leave it I was going to ask you if it was about comparisons yeah definitely what you, yeah sure um, and it's a real cutthroat industry isn't it so yeah. it's really difficult not to compare yourself to other people and yeah oh. yeah but, and I mean Winnie, Winnie and I both had stints in the music industry for sure yeah um, maybe not in that same in that same genre in terms of singing but definitely I think you can see it's cutthroat I think it's quite easy to start measuring up to other people even though you're distinctive in you yeah. you know but in hindsight, I, don't, I think had I have stuck it out and had any level of success slash fame, I don't think that would have been for me. I'm like, I, I just don't, now, now that I'm like a fully grown adult, I just think, I can't think of anything worse than being really famous. Like, you know, just like your, how your life would be, what your life would look like if you were sort of like known by everyone. I mean, when I was at the peak of my DJing career, a few people would kind of like speak to me in the street, but I'm not talking like daily, like maybe a couple of times in a few months. Like, and even that, I was like, oh my God, I thought, but that was actually quite endearing because obviously, not obviously, well, as a DJ, I'm not, like I'm more on an underground scene. So these would have been just very kind of people that were into a niche um, thing yes. that happened to bump into me yeah. um, so that was quite sweet and flattering but I thought god imagine if like I couldn't even go to the shop without 
people knowing who I was, that wouldn't suit me hmm. at all. So I think, um, yeah, that was never... Because your, your life quickly doesn't become your own. You, yeah. You know, when, when you're in the limelight in that way. Yeah. You could, have, you could have actually run that risk by becoming a superstar DJ. Because I remember the 90s and, and early, well, late 90s, DJs were becoming superstars in their own right, weren't they? So you yeah. kind of could have run that risk. But I still feel like, even like the biggest DJs now, I still feel like they could go to Tesco's and not get mobbed. Like, yeah. I think if Carl Cox walked into Tesco's, I don't know if you know Carl Cox. Yeah, that's true. I don't yeah. think loads of people would go, oh my God, it's Carl Cox. I think a few people would probably notice, but it's not like being a, a pop star slash celebrity. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? I still think DJing is quite, you either know DJs or you don't kind of thing. Uh, and what genre of music do you play? What's so, your... yeah, I, my music that I specialise in is house. Um, that's what I like, really love. Um, occasionally I'll get booked for, like, mixed genre or cross-genre events and I've got to, like, pull out R&B and hip-hop and stuff. But that's not what I do do. That's more of, like, I can do. That's not my, yeah, that's not my speciality. Yes. And is it a particular facet of house? Is it a particular, is it tribal? Is it um, so, soulful? So I have like, I play like quite deep, minimal, um, slightly techie house. And then there's certain bookings I might play more uplifting vocal house. But I'd say I'm more known for the more underground, deeper sound. So like I play for an event called Morning Gloryville, which is really kind of happy clappy. For that, mm. I'll play like classics vocals uplifting tribal just real high energy um, yeah. and if I'm playing at an event which is more on the more deeper undergroundy side it is it's not uplifting it's very kind of like warehousey deep um European I, I, it's hard to explain but yeah uplifting is not what you'd call it I mean it's yeah. uplifting to me because I love it but it's not right. an uplifting genre you know and is this um, kind of, and I know you answered Winnie's question previously in kind of saying you didn't really know what career you would have by 40, mm -hmm. but now in your 40s, is this career reflective, a good representation of you now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And once I, once I decided to start DJing, I knew that I was, this is what I was going to stick with. Um, I mean, there's been various points along the way where, well, one or two points where I was like, mm, I kind of slightly lost my enthusiasm for it. But once I got over that, I was like, this is definitely DJing and producing and things surrounding it. That's what I want to do, definitely. Coming from music, which is already a really tricky industry to get into, DJing isn't too far from that whole kind of difficulty in, in getting, breaking through and, and becoming popular and stuff. What, especially as a Nigerian as well what kind of made you feel like this is a career route that you could pursue and and feel like you could you could create a career out of it because I guess if you're in your late 20s that you looked into becoming a DJ were you that young or was it a bit older I was about 26 when I started DJing around there 26 yeah right so back then had you envisioned it as a long-term career or was it just something you were going to try out and, and see where no. it you no, I just wanted to do it. I just, I, I, I was like, I've always been like a, quite a, um, a party person, a raver. Right. 
So I was always out and about. And one day I just decided I was like, I wanted to learn how to knit. And I, I found I, someone showed, taught me and then I basically found my love for it. And from that point onwards, I just, because I was out and about anyway, it was like they kind of went hand in hand. So yeah. being, being on either side of the decks, there wasn't much difference. So I started, I got my own decks, practiced and practiced. And then I started having um, my own events. And well, I'd already started having my own events, actually, but not many. Then I, I DJed at my own events. And then it just kind of took off from there. But I never started with the intention of it being anything. I just wanted to give it a go because I loved right. it. And then I decided, discovered that I loved DJing. So I thought, yeah, I want to do that. And then, yeah, like I said, it took off. And as it took off, I was like, oh, I can actually do this as, as a career. And I really enjoy it. And the aspect you asked, you touched on about being Nigerian. Um, so my, it's my dad that's Nigerian. My mum's Bajan. And um, I'm, I'm guessing the angle kind of coming from is, I, I'm assuming, I might be wrong, that Nigerian parents tend to be a bit more traditional in terms of what they want you to do career-wise. Um, when I say traditional, they mm. have traditional <laughs> ideas like doctor, lawyer, etc. Um, is that kind of why you were asking? As yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I, I say Nigerian, but I think that generation generally had, I guess, for whatever reason, struggled so hard that whatever their kids were going to do was going to have to be something that was going to be a secure, nice um, industry that gets them paid every month and they have longevity in it. So for our generation of parents, that would have been like, well, wow, that's, that's a huge risk. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with you doing it, let alone being from another country that doesn't even look at the arts as a career, but looks at it as a, as a hobby. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, firstly, my dad is very, is very, um, is very, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, he's not traditional in terms of, he's not a traditional Nigerian. So, um, he's very he's quite westernized I guess that's the right thing to say my mum and dad collectively they they know who I am they know I'm they know I'm not that stable career type of nine to five person so they've always supported me in whatever my latest endeavor is however weird and wonderful it might be they're just like okay oh you're doing that now are you like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Over the years, there's been so many. Oh, why don't you just get a proper job? Oh, why don't you just be an investment banker? I'm like, sorry, why? Why would I want to do that? Like, right. so there's been those comments, especially from my mum. She, I think, when you're a creative and your parents see like the up and down of what goes on, it is a struggle. So for my mum, it was never do what I want you to do. It's just like, can you just do something? that is steady so that you don't have the heartache of the unreliability of mm. working in the creative fields. But unfortunately, I think when you're a creative, you, you just can't like, you just gravitate towards that type of career. Naturally. I, I I'd feel stifled if I was in like an office job or something that was just yeah. safe, but didn't really, you know, spark anything in me or inspire me. So yeah, my parents now, they just know, they know. Um, but it sounds like you had really supportive parents anyway. Um, yeah. And 
did, did you feel much pressure from them to, to have got married and to have got your own place and, and had children within that marriage? Was, was that external for you as well? Um, no, they never pressured me. No. Um, they just, they just kind of like, whatever I'm doing, they just flow with it, you know. Um, yeah. There'd be questions and conversations that might come up, but it's never like, when are you going to settle down or when are you going to have kids yes. or this or that? They just kind of, they know what a free spirit I am. So they're just like, yes, we'll do things in our own time. In I was going to ask you, do you ever put pressure on yourself? Um, yes, a lot. Yeah, I, I, I do, especially, I mean, not so much now, but um, I do, I have put a lot of pressure on myself. Purely, mainly in like, I'd say probably career, uh, in a career sense. So thinking, oh, I'm not far enough along. This is probably where a bit of the 40 aspect comes in or came in. I think oh I should be at this stage by now or I should be making this much money by now or I should have a mortgage by now and I used to pressure myself thinking oh I wasn't doing enough and I wasn't doing well enough but now I literally like I still want to achieve stuff and I've still got goals but overall I don't really care because I know that things happen how and when they're supposed to happen so I I don't I mean, I put pressure on myself still because I feel like sometimes I can procrastinate and I don't get things done as quickly as I want to. But then I sort of say, well, I am a mum as well and that's all consuming. And sometimes you just have to do what you can, just do your best. Failure 40. Can you remember what age you were when, when that pressure began? What, what age triggered it or, or what happened in your life that triggered it? Um. I don't know a specific age, but it was probably, um, I would say it would probably be around the time when other people were starting to become more settled in their careers and their lives. And then as a creative, I know I keep mentioning that word, but it is like a separate, it's just a different story when you're creative in, in a lot of ways. And so in, from that perspective, I, at certain times, I think I, do, I did and still do feel a bit left behind, like so-and-so's doing this and so-and-so's, you know. And so probably in my 30s, to answer your question, I would have probably started thinking more like that. In your 20s, not so much, because everyone's just being a bit flighty, loving life, being young, free and whatever, footloose and fancy free. But yeah. I think once you start getting into 30s, things start getting a bit more serious. Then you start to look at yourself and go, oh, what am I doing, you know? Even now I have moments of it. I'm like, you're 42, like you haven't bought a house. I, are you really serious about life? And then I go, well, is it the be all and end all? No, not really. I was just going to say, was there anything you did when you started to feel that pressure? Did you then start to feel like, right, I've, I've got to make plans. I've got to put things in action. Did you, did you start doing things to try and help get over it? What, how did you cope? Um, <laughs> I don't I don't remember doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that's an action in itself. Yeah. <laughs> I probably just carried on panicking and flapping, going, oh, my God, <laughs> and taking no action. <laughs> um, but no, no, my, on, honestly, I don't remember doing anything specific. I didn't do make any ma- major changes or, you know. Um, I mean, I did, I have had a few 
points in life where I've tried to look for that steady, stable job, but it's it's never worked out. Um, Not because I'm not capable, but I've just, I think when your heart is not in something, it's quite hard to, to manifest it because it's not your true desire. Do you know what yes. I mean? So you, yes, indeed. You look, you're looking for stuff that's not really what you're looking for. And you're going for interviews for jobs that you don't really want. And you're just doing what you think you should do. And I think when that energy surround, like your actions are surrounded by that energy, I just don't think it really works out. Yeah. Know? And I think if we're, we're thinking of energy quite often, you know, when you start buying into things that are not your purpose, you know, and that a purpose that's constructed for you or mm-hmm. us, it doesn't feel right. And I think as a creative, you're probably tapping into your energy quite often in, in, yeah. in terms of being able to bring out the best of your, your gift and your craft. And, and I think exactly. um, from, from those that I know that are creatives, they speak in exactly the same way as you, that you're, you're not held bound by maybe the kind of checklist factors of society, Yeah, you know? Um, and I think you kind of put that really well, actually. Um, but you, I did want to ask you a bit about your daughter. So your mummy? Yes, I am. How old is she? So uh, my daughter's four, um, four and a few months. Yeah. And how, does she, how has she fitted into your journey in terms of what it looks like for you now as a mum who has got quite a, quite a, a demanding, I think, um, job, as it were? Because that means you could be out nights and days or having to give a lot of time travelling maybe, possibly. To be honest with you, I think she's fitted in really well. Like my life hasn't changed a massive amount since I've had her. Obviously things calm down. I mean, your time is not your own anymore, but um, I don't kind of let being a mum stop me from also being me and pursuing what I want to do. Um, But that's not to say I disregard being a mum. Like, yeah, you just be on the sidelines. It's not (laughs) like that. It's just about dividing your time. And I think it's about your mindset as well. I, I find that some people believe that once you become a mum, you can't do this and you can't do that. Like, you know, I, I, don't, I know a lot of people that wouldn't have my lifestyle, wouldn't dream of having my lifestyle as a parent, you know, because like you mentioned, I am out late at night sometimes. And, um, you know, and I like to go out partying. It's kind of hand in hand with being a DJ. You, I'm not saying I have to go out, but you you want to go out. You want to see what's going on on the scene. You want to be in the thick of it. Um, and like I said, I don't go out anywhere near as much as I used to, but I still go out. I might go out for one or two days. Um, but there's always two sides to everything. So while someone over there might see me and say, oh, she's out DJing all night. What about her kid and whatever? But I'm also then at home during the day because I'm not, doing a nine to five, you know, spending 40 plus hours a week away from my child. So I, I think my lifestyle and have being a mum for me, it suits me well. And they, I make, I make it work. Sometimes it's difficult, especially being a single parent. There's times I might get a last minute DJ booking and I've then, you know, it's on the day and I've then got to like, you know, call my mum and go, oh, can you have my daughter? Um, I've got to go. Whereas if I was kind of like her dad was, if we were together, it'd just be like, I'm just going out. And nothing yeah. else would, no, nothing much would change. So there's no, that aspect, but that's not really a major issue. I just get on with it, really. It wasn't in your plan to be a single mum, was it? 
you, you mentioned that you you wanted to be married so how how do you feel about that now not having been married and had a child how, how does it feel in retrospect I feel I feel strangely fine about it like um so I had my daughter she's four so had her four years ago I was with her dad for about two two, two to three years pr- prior to having her and um it then became apparent it wasn't going to work out. So we parted ways. And I, cause I'm a very pragmatic person. So I just thought, well, if it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. I'm just going to get on with it. I never kind of like mourned. Um, I didn't mourn that family unit. Like, oh my gosh, it's just me on my own now. I'm just quite, I'm quite a positive person. So I just thought, well, it is what it is. Let's just get on with it. Make the best of it. I've got my daughter who's a gift, an absolute, blessing she's so adorable like she obviously drives me up the wall like most kids do <laughs> but at the same time she's just so cute like every day at some point I look at her and go why are you so cute oh, <laughs> um, and she just comes out with such sweet things like she gets in bed with me in the morning I might have my back turned to her just because of whatever way I'm lying and she'll go, oh, mama, turn around. I want to see that lovely face of yours. And I'm like, oh, my God. And that's just the kind of thing she comes out with all the time. So she's highly entertaining. And I want to see your lovely face again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sold, I'm sold, I'm sold. I just, I just yeah. wanna, I want to, I want to hug if possible. She, she's literally <laughs> like four going on about like 80. She just comes out with things that you're like, where do you get that from? The other day she said to me, oh, um, when you, I called her adorable. I said, oh, you're so adorable. Because she said something really sweet. It was like really kind. She's got, got a very kind like way about her. And I said, you're so adorable. And she said, oh, I love you so much, mama. And I said, I said, oh, something, something. She goes, because when you just called me adorable, I thought my heart was going to burst. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's, it's too much, Jess. It's too much. I don't know where she gets these, these lines from. But anyway, so um, I digress. Um, but yeah, so I, I think having her and her being such a delight, like, I'd love to be in a proper family unit, but I'm totally fine not being in one because I think it's way more important to be in a healthy situation, which I feel I'm in without her dad. Um, I I just think, you know, some relationships can become so toxic. You're definitely better off without them. Um, Sadly though, a lot, well, some, some, People think that actually having a united front that everyone believes is a great family unit is, is a lot more important than oh, I did. Than I what you actually. Yeah, I couldn't disagree with that more. I just think it's so damaging to everyone involved, and especially the children or the child, because you know, growing up in a in a an environment that's anything but positive is obviously going to have negative, um, you know, impact the child negatively and I think as a parent your main responsibility is the welfare of that child so if breaking up the family is going to benefit the child more so than have you know because it's the lesser of two evils isn't it if you haven't got a father around the child is also going to feel that loss but if that present if the presence of that father you believe is worth then you have to kind of do what 
Yeah, do mm, what's best. best. And I think quite often people grapple with that um, that preconceived idea about 2.4, you know, family, children, etc., as opposed yeah. to what is best for all parties involved. And I think quite often, you you know, you can hear people kind of saying, well, actually, I, I stayed in this relationship because it was best for the children. Mm. Um, and actually, maybe they stayed in that relationship because of their own value system, you know, and the things that they see as um, important. Um, so um, it's, it's good to hear that actually, uh, you know, you're one of those parents who actually think actually the child is foremost. And I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> people who stay in situations to try and make it better or any and different. Yeah. But I definitely hear what you're saying. So, yeah, I, I, I don't have any issues with being a single parent. Um, I, don't, I don't even like using that as a title. I'm just a parent. Do you look back at the last, say, maybe five years and think about where you've ended up and have any, like, anxiety about how you might be perceived having not matched or reached the picture that you initially thought you were going to? have being married with kids with a, with a child and, and a great career and, and in your own place do you look back and be like oh I wonder how people might look at me as as a mum on my own not married with this kind of creative um, career that's not not kind of seen as mm-hmm. like you're like the investment bank banking career that you mentioned I don't wonder how I'm perceived I do know that there are people that will have an opinion or a judgment on where I am in my life or how I live my life. But again, with, I think with maturity comes, you just get to the point where other people's opinions are neither here or there because, you know, the way I see it, my life's not perfect, but I don't think anyone's is. And even when it looks like it's perfect from over here, if you go over there and have a closer look, it probably isn't. And so I just think that's your journey and this is my journey. So how I'm perceived really doesn't, doesn't really bother me at all. Because I also know that um, kind of going back to something I said earlier, I just think when it's your time, it's your time. And just because society says this should happen by this time or at that time, that doesn't mean that that's like... Um, the gospel, like some people, let, let's just say, for example, a relationship, um, like that lifelong relationship you're going to have. Some people find that in their 20s and some people find it at 50. There's no right or wrong. But if you're one of those people who finds it at 50, then that's just when your time was, you know. And I, pers- mm. I was talking to someone the other day and I personally think that this stage that we're at now, uh, you know, collectively, we're all 40, early 40s. I think this is like the best time to meet that life partner. You're, you, you know, you're young enough where you've still got enough years to enjoy that partnership or that relationship. Obviously, you know, if you live to an, a naturally old age, um, but you're also old enough and mature enough that you know what you want, what you don't want. And, you know, people have just got all the nonsense, angsty, young stuff out of their systems. And now they're ready to be serious. And I think if someone's at this stage and they're not ready to be serious, it's a bit unfortunate, but I think a lot of people would have grown up by now. So I think this is the time, like, especially from a woman's perspective. You get with a guy when you're 22, 23, he's just going to give you hell. 
You know what I mean? For the most part. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm generalising, but they don't know what they're doing. They're just, they're all over the place. They, you know, but now you talk to a man who's 40, 41, 42, they usually got themselves together by now. And, you know, <laughs> I think as women, that's what we want. We don't want to be like bringing any boys up and, you know, showing them, uh, showing them the way. I don't anyway. I want someone who comes ready-made and ready to go. And do you find that you're, you're meeting people of that calibre? Well, (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't really meet many people these days. Um, So I really can't tell you what calibre of of man is out there. That's Mm. that's our age. However, I do believe that um, just a feeling that I have, I do think that I'm probably going to meet that person who's right for me pretty soon. Um, yeah, get in there. <laughs> I could just, yeah, just the vibe that I've got. And um, I don't know where, when, how. Probably after lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, apparently online dating is all the rage right now where um, people are at home, they have literally nothing else to do but look for their life partners online. So, yeah. Have you thought about that? you thought about going online? Um, well, I'll be honest with you, I haven't got time with it now. Being at home in isolation, on your own, with a four-year-old, wow. I mean... Levels. I'm sure, I'm sure Shelley, you can relate. I don't know if you're, if you're on your own or not. Look at that. <laughs> Shelley's pulling to her hair. It's falling out. Yeah, um, I, 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 can't, I can't think about any kind of online dating at the moment, but I, it's not something I'd rule out. I would definitely consider it. I know someone who's uh, sort of falling in love at the moment with someone through online dating for exactly the reason you're saying. They've got loads of time and they've just been having like four or five hour video calls. And um, I think this is probably a really good time to meet someone because you're just in a place where you have to get to know them, you know, without the kind of physical contact and stuff. I think you probably get to know someone on a deeper level um, when you're just talking either by phone or you know online failure at 40 do you feel like 40 has been a milestone for you because it because talking to you it does feel a bit like it hasn't been something on your radar in terms of the age that you have to have certain things by or done something by so is it does it just feel like you're just progressing naturally through life and in some ways it does just feel like a natural progression because I don't feel feel like I don't, I, like you said, I haven't put that emphasis on, oh my gosh, 40. But I feel like for me, on my personal journey, I feel like around 40, between 40 and now, I feel like I've just really kind of come into myself more on a personal level. You know, when you just really know yourself, you kind of let go of a lot of stuff in terms of whether it's insecurities or um, worries. And, you know, like when you see people that are like sort of in their 60s and 70s, like kind of like leery, like elderly people who just, you know, just, I I can relate. Yeah, the older people get, they just don't care. And I'm getting into that point now where I'm not getting leery, obviously, but 
Like, I don't care. It's like, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you think I should do. I don't care what you think I should wear. This, yeah, this is me. And this is how I'm living my life. You can take it or leave it. So, um, so yeah, I feel like 40 has been a milestone in that way. But in terms of feeling pressure and, oh, I should do this and that by 40, no. I, I, mm. I don't feel I that. can completely relate to that. I feel like since I've turned 40, I no longer care actually yeah. about what I'm supposed to be doing and where I'm supposed to be going. Because it, yeah. it, it hasn't happened now, so oh well. <laughs> yeah and also I don't I, I think I think obviously 40 has kind of changed over the last generation 40's not perceived how it was before you know they always yeah, say 40 right. new 30 and all this business yeah um but putting that aside I don't think of 40 as old like some people genuinely think like 40 oh, you're over the hill now I'm yeah. like excuse me, I've still got loads of life left in me. I yeah, just get going. going. Just yeah, going. yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't feel old. I don't feel physically old. I don't feel like there's anything I can't do anywhere I can't go. You know, there's people I know that are like, oh, no, I don't want to go there. It's going to be all young people. And I'm like, so what are you then? Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I feel like, I definitely think life begins at 40, like a new wave of your life begins because you just start to see things differently. You've got the maturity of mind, but you've still got that youthfulness. And it's like, this is like, okay, I've read the manual. I know what's going on now. Let's do this. Yeah. That's what I think 40 feels like. Yeah. And I I, I definitely concur. And I definitely think being a, a black woman in the UK you know, today, presently, you know, we've got so much things at our fingertips that maybe our parents didn't have. Um, And I think uh, in terms of just, I don't know, some people are exercising more, you know, our health levels, we've got different healthcare, Mm. you know, we've got more jobs, there's more money in the economy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're living for longer. Indeed. So I just think we're we're able to to look at 40 in a whole different, different way, different narrative. Um, And I think it's only right that we challenge what 40 should look like. And I think quite often uh, people could be using 40 from yesteryear rather than what 40 is now, you know. Um, having, having said all that, do you have aspirations for what 50 should look like? Um, I've got, I've got um, a picture in my mind, yes. I feel like um, probably, actually, what I'm going to say probably sounds a lot like what a lot of people think should be happening by 40. Um, I feel like by 50, I'm going to have it together. <laughs> I, think, um, I think, I mean, in my personal life, I, I definitely envisage being settled down by 50. Um, and, I, and I feel like my career will be at a point where, I mean, you can never predict or kind of rely on stuff like music and things. But in my mind, I hope to have got to a level where I'm kind of consistently working. So I've reached a certain level of success. Um, Don't have to be a superstar DJ, but just, you know, just be ticking over. Do you think your timeline is now dictated a little bit by having your daughter? What you mean, what I think is going to be happening? Yeah, what you might be wanting to put in place is not now just for you, but also for her. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, You, you do sort of get a bit more 
you'd like to think you get a bit more responsible minded when you've got a child and you're thinking about yeah so I do need to kind of put things in place for her financially and also just set set a good example to her as well like I have to always I, I feel this responsibility that I need to always keep it moving and keep things together so that she sees that as her 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 benchmark of this is what you do this is how you you know I, I can't really yeah yeah, yeah. you want to be an yeah. example for her. Yeah, a, a good role, example. Role model. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Exactly. So, I mean, she's already like adamant since she's been two. She's adamant she wants to be a DJ. Absolutely. Is she? Yeah. <laughs> God, I wonder what DJs will look like when she's old enough. If only it will have evolved into, because I guess just from our, our own generations, it's come from turntables and decks to cd yeah. djing hasn't it so or, or i don't know spotify mixes as djs well currently yeah, we're dealing we're dealing a lot with zoom zoom raves aren't we and yeah. we're dealing with a lot of djs performing Instagram a lot of people DJs. on yeah. right so i mean yeah i did right. I, I did a zoom rave um a few weeks ago and um they had like over a thousand people logged on to this to this wow. rave. and i did uh, it from my house so how do you feel you pick up the energy from that sort of like from a device? Like, do you feel you're still getting the same energy that you would if you were in, you know, an arena? You know what? Surprisingly, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's the same, but it was like a lot more so than you would imagine. Like, so you've got your, you've got your screen and like how we're on Zoom now, but because there's so many people, it just keeps rotating between different people. But seeing sort of I'm playing so they can see me, I can see how they're responding. So you do still get the energy and the vibe, you know, and I'm dancing around the living room and I've got my music up, playing my tunes. So, yeah, it's actually, like I said, a lot more um, in like the interaction feels a lot more kind of uh, not. It doesn't feel as virtual as it is. It feels real. That's quite interesting. That's quite interesting because I always feel quite distant, you know, from the DJ as of maybe I want to be a bit closer. Like I feel like it's just odd because it's new. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. It's not the same. It's not the same, but it's just good but different. You know, you still, Mm -hmm. it's still enjoyable, but it's just in a different way. So is this something you think you're probably going to carry on with till you retire? Um, this, this career, yeah, definitely. DJing, producing. Um, I've recently started to dabble in making music for um, people's, like for content videos, like um, people's videos for YouTube and things like that. So, yeah, I, I definitely, I might not be gigging DJ until I retire, although I'd love to. If I'm able, why not? You know, yeah. there's nothing. there's nothing better than playing music to like, a receptive appreciative audience it's like the best energy exchange that you could ever have it's amazing so there's no point at which I I don't think I'd want to do that it's great you're so fulfilled in your career I think a lot of people have chosen careers because they think it's the right thing to do or it yeah. pays them the most but don't get the feeling that you you get yeah um, for the sake of yeah. picking up appearances or, or appearing to be successful I, mean, I think what comes 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 across quite strongly about you Jessica is that you feel very settled comfortable and and at peace with where you're at where you're going 
you know, and I think that's such a, a refreshing thing to, to feel and see in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still always feel like, um, especially like with my DJing and my music, I always feel like I could be doing a bit more and I'm probably not pushing myself enough. But on the whole, I am, what you said, I am happy and content because I love, I love what I do and I feel like playing music, DJing, it's like a gift. Do you know what I mean? Your gift, your not saying I'm gifted, but you're giving a gift to the audience and helping them to make memories. You know, I, I do, I do feel fulfilled in what I do. So knowing everything you know now, what advice would you give to your younger self on approaching the big milestone of 40? I think, I mean, I don't, I don't have any major regret in life, but I probably, I probably would tell my younger self to be a little bit more um, mindful of the future. So let's just say, for example, save money, invest money. Because I've made, I've made a fair amount of money over the years doing various different things. And it's not that I wasn't aware at the time that I should save or invest, but I just didn't take it seriously. I was more interested in going on loads of holidays and um, just, you know, just enjoying my Living. life. Yeah. yeah. Which, like I say, I don't regret because the memories I've got now are priceless. But I would mm. probably tell myself to balance it a little bit more, have fun, also invest a little bit for the future. And also what I'd make, the main, main message actually, I'd tell my younger self is, don't worry. I mm. spent a lot of time worrying about things when I was growing up and in my 20s and stuff. And worrying is just like a pointless exercise because everything always works out in the end. And I think that's why I feel so content now because I've seen that happen time and time again. So I just don't worry. I just have faith that the universe will conspire and make everything how it's supposed to be. That is such a beautiful note to end on, Jessica. Failure <laughs> 40. So Jessica, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me as well. It's been really, really cool. And I do hope if you have time in the future that you may join us again. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, amazing. Failure 40. Failure. 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 Failure.